You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. A lot of people are like, oh, you made it right away. But the tricky part about what looks like you're making it right away is that it actually comes crashing down on you. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. As I've mentioned before, this past summer, I had the absolute thrill and honor to play the part of Robert Kincaid in Bridges of Madison County at Theater Raleigh. And the director and also artistic director of that theater company was Lauren Kennedy. And she is someone who used to live in New York. She is a wonderful, wonderful actress herself. And in fact, she actually knows and is good friends with Jason Robert Brown, the writer of Bridges of Madison County. They first worked together on the last five years. She originated that role and unfortunately didn't get to move with it when it moved to Broadway because she was pursuing other options. And in today's episode, she talks about that experience with Jason, as well as other roles she's taken on throughout the years. But it's her time in Raleigh that I really wanted to focus on as she transitioned from actor to director to theater producer, running her own theater company. And it's that transition that really fascinated me about how to go from one side of the table seamlessly to the other side of the table. And I learned so much from our conversation together. So stay tuned afterwards to get some of my thoughts on our conversation. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But for now, here is Lauren Kennedy, Broadway actress, theater producer, and director. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. This is so good. And we're actually in your home, or, right. or I guess a part of your home. You house some of the actors here. This is what we call a mother-in-law suite. <laughs> <laughs> or an actor-in-law. Yes. So we, we house actors and directors here at the apartment at the house, as well as the housing you know, where you are. And we put people up at hotels. Wherever. Because Raleigh, this is the area that you grew up in. You, you were born and raised here in Raleigh. I literally one mile from here. Wow. Yeah. So who knew I would live in New York for 23 <laughs> years and then come right back where it all started. What got you started here in Raleigh with theater? When did you know? Well, my parents were uh, lovers of the arts and they went to see Broadway shows when they were young. And um, they actually both 
performed in some community theater. Okay, when I was so they little. had that acting bug. Yeah, oh, yeah. they love it. My mom was a great dancer and a singer, and I think she feels like if she had lived in a different time, she would have pursued it. Oh. But, you know, having graduated from high school in the 60s, she was um, expected to become a teacher and get married and right, all that. Right. But um, they loved it and they supported it. And my sister and I, um, you know, would go watch them perform or, you know, whatever. And we just got bit by the bug. And my sister, almost even more than I, and she would drag me to auditions because she was pretty shy. She didn't want to do it by herself. And then that was it. Like, we were in every Sound of Music and every Annie you could have possibly imagined, you of, know? Of course, of course. Girl one, girl two, <laughs> yep, exactly. daughter one, daughter two. Yeah. played all of them. All yeah. the fun traps, all the orphans. <laughs> <laughs> when did you think, oh, I could do this maybe for a living? I think um, it was probably around seventh grade. Then I started working at the North Carolina Theater, which was uh, a, a new regional theater. Now it's a premier regional theater down here. And right. at the time, the uh, artistic director was Terrence Mann. Which is it's hilarious. Amazing. So yeah. here I was, this like middle schooler, getting to work with Terrence Mann and all these other people from New York. And I'd see the actors come. They'd stay at the hotel. They'd do the show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I want to be one of those people that goes to another city and stays at a hotel and does a show and then you, right. know, you know goes back to New York. And I just, I didn't know you could make a career out of it until I saw people doing it. And that was such a great way for me to be formed by it, too, because... Terry had a lot of connections inside, um, you know, the Broadway community or the theater community. And I remember just thinking, I don't really want to be a star. I don't want to, I never wanted to do movies or anything like that or TV. I just wanted to work in the Broadway community. And, you know, I mm-hmm. wanted to be like respected amongst my peers. And um, it was just such a weird dream that most people who aren't in our industry would even understand what that means. But to me, it was like, I want to be like Terry Mann or I want to be like Beth Level, who also grew up here and I did shows with when I was in oh, high school. Wow. Yeah. And I just saw her in the prom. I mean, and she was absolutely amazing. She's astounding. Yeah. When I was a senior in high school, I was in the ensemble of Hello Dolly, where she played Dolly Levi. She was all of like 35. You know what I mean? But I'm but sure she, she was, was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and literally um, later in that spring, my high school did Hello Dolly, and I pretty much copied her performance. So I was Lauren playing Beth Level playing right. Hello Dolly. Imitation, sincerest form of flattery, right? I mean, right? she was incredible. I so bet. getting to watch people like that just locked it in for me. Me, like I want to do that. So it wasn't just that you were around actors or perform. You you were around like some of the creme de la creme of that time. I think I was certainly. really lucky because of that. Yeah. And so that formed where you went to school. I assume one hundred percent. When I was doing West Side Story, I was a sophomore in high school. I was one of the. I got to be one of the dancers, and a guy named Joe Mahowal, who's an actor in New York was playing Tony and I was like where did you go to school like I want to know where you go to do this mm-hmm. and he said Cincinnati Conservatory of Music and I was like great that's where I'm going <laughs> and that was it like I I put my sights on it I auditioned for it did first. you apply anywhere else well I did but the, it was the first place I got in and so I canceled the rest of so my I auditions like, nope. I was like nah forget it that's where I'm going that's where Joe Mahowal went. <laughs> <laughs> well, and a bunch of other a Broadway lot of, yeah, So, yeah, CCM people. has become, like, yeah. synonymous with, you know, great musical theater people. Yeah. But you did not finish school. I did not. No. no. <laughs> because a little audition got in your way, right? Well, so um, my sophomore year, uh, an agent came to do a master class. Uh, Jim Wilhelm, who's my agent to this day at DGRW. And he came and gave a master class. And at that point, they were only letting seniors sing for him because they were getting ready to graduate and go to New York. But um, there was time left over. So all the underclassmen put their name in a hat and he drew out two names and mine was one of them. And I got to sing for him. And that summer, 
when I was working at the music theater of Wichita, <laughs> I got a call from him to go in for um, the understudy for Ellen and Miss Saigon on Broadway. Oh, and wow. uh, they were doing this new show called Sunset Boulevard starring Glenn Close. And he would make sure that I got seen at the open call. I was like, all right, sure. Okay. So so you were in Wichita at this time, and he said, come to New York yeah. for these two auditions. Yeah, yeah. And so I just like put myself up at a hotel. I, mean, I might have stayed with a friend. I can't remember. But I went to those two auditions, and... Um, that was it. I mean, I like got a callback and auditioned for like Trevor Nunn and Andrew Lloyd Webber on the stage of the Marquee Theater uh, randomly. Wow! And I was all of nineteen years old. I was like, "What is happening?" Like, 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 what was going through your head? Like, okay, you had seen great performers in Raleigh, yeah. But then, how did that translate to now you're on stage in New York? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, you think you're prepared, you think you're prepared, and then you're like, "I am in over my head." Because I was also at this audition that was on the mark you know the stage at the marquee with like top new york dancers you know and i'd hear people singing from like the other room mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god what am i doing here <laughs> and you know a lot of so much of like me probably really wasn't ready for it but i don't know i think part of why i ended up getting that job is i was just fearless and raw and i didn't right. know the game yet you knew it was a big deal, but you didn't know to be scared of it or to overthink it at yeah, that time. Yeah, because I thought, never in a million years am I going to get this. I'm just going to go have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then what do you know? And then what do you know? Like, um, next thing I know, I'm on a plane to L.A. to go do the premiere out there for 10 months. And then we did it on Broadway the next year. And... So bye-bye so CCM. Yeah, so I left CCM. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is, you know, they, they did their job for yeah, two years. I, I was <laughs> sort of ready to go, though. I loved my training there, and I loved my teachers, and the program is fantastic. Um. There's part of me now, you know, I'm on, I'm getting ready to turn 46. There's a part of me now that thinks, oh, it would have been nice to have got my degree. Right. Um, and I, I toy around with thinking about getting some sort of degree, but I think our paths take us where they're supposed to. And, and, and you've certainly gained your own kind of life degree yeah. with all the experiences that you've done. And that is a big part of what a lot of people will say when you work in our business is that it's the school of life. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn on the job. With Sunset Boulevard... So you're 19, 20 mm -hmm. years old mm -hmm. as you go through yeah. the L.A. performance, and then you finally get to New York. Was there a different energy? Oh, 100%. As a matter of fact, the whole time I was in L.A., I was not 100% happy because it was just L.A., and I didn't ever have any dreams of being in L.A. So I was mm. like, this this opportunity is amazing, and working with Trevor Nunn and Bob Avian and um, you know David Caddick and Andrew Lloyd Webber, for God's sake. It just It was so like a dream. Um, but then once they left and the show was open, I was like, and now I'm in LA, you know, I don't want to do TV and film. I'm not trying to forward my career here. I just want to be in New York, you know? So that, that was, it was a weird sort of limbo period for me. And as soon as we got our Broadway offers, I was like, yes, I can't wait. And then I just felt like at home right. once we were in New York and on Broadway, that was like, yep, this is it. This is me. I bet. And so how long were you with Sunset Boulevard? From start to finish. Oh, oh, like oh you, did years. Whole, you did the whole well, thing. Well, I did it 10 months in LA and I did the first year on Broadway and I left it because I got cast as Carla in nine at Paper Mill and I just wanted to play a role because right. I was in the ensemble and I was covering Betty Schaefer. So I left it and then I did, there was nine months where I was just doing regional theater and pounding the pavement. And then I toured uh, on the national tour as Betty Schaefer, which is the role I understudy on Broadway. So it was like three years all together. Right, right. So you, yeah. you, you really lived that show. I really did. I really <laughs> did. And then, so the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, when you 
a lot of people are like, oh, you made it right away. But the tricky part about what looks like you're making it right away is that it actually comes crashing down on you. That kind of Broadway always working on that level is unsustainable. Yeah. And there was two years after that I didn't work. And so what did you do after Sunset Boulevard? I mean, what were you expecting to, oh, I'll just do the oh, next show? Yes, of course, because I was so naive. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're just going to keep coming. And they didn't keep coming. That nine-month period when I left to go do Paper Mill, um, that was a real dry spell for me. And I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not booking the jobs. Right. It was a rude awakening. Um, then I got the tour, and so that was great. And then... Um, Right after that, I came off the tour and I did uh, get sideshows to, right. to be the standby for Daisy Hilton and sideshow. But that was all of three months. Right. That gig was I, so I, had, I had forgotten how limited of a run that was. I mean, it opened so and was gone in two, three months. Well, so um, this is one of the metrics that I always say because it was the best understudy standby scenario you could have ever imagined. I was standing by for Emily Skinner and... She told me from the first day of rehearsal, she was like, girl, I am not going on every day. Um, you'll, you'll do at least a show or two a week. And I was like, really? <laughs> Great. So I ended up doing 33 out of the 99 shows we did. But that was it. 99 no. performances on Broadway. That's it. And you did a third of I them. I did a third of them. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's that pretty crazy. Great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the same thing kind of happened to me on uh, the Adams Family because I was understudying Mal oh, on, on that tour. And... Uh, our Mal would, would go out. So I was probably on at least once a week, once every couple of weeks. Yeah. And so over a year and a half span, I did like 40 or 50 performances. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Did you have an understudy track or an ensemble track in addition to the mm -hmm. understudy? So no, you were just a standby. I was just a standby. Yeah. Right. So for me, I was ensemble in Adam's Family. So when I got to go on for Mal, it was like a vacation. Oh, yeah. Because like nothing. <laughs> right. Right. Because I have like, you know, four or five scenes. No, no a, crazy costume changes. Right, there was one, <laughs> the stupidest thing. The one costume change that I really had that was quick is right at the end of the show, we like sing our last note. Ten seconds later, I have to run off. Change completely out of a suit and put on this tie-dyed thing with a headband oh in 10 seconds and then run off for a bow. That was oh, it. That's it. A quick change for the bow. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Thanks, Broadway. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, so Sideshow, I would assume, was a disappointment to much of the cast for the way that it closed oh, so it soon. It was so upsetting. Um, yeah, it was sad because it was such a beautiful piece and we were all so emotionally invested in it. So that was a, that was a disappointment. Um, and then, yes, after that, I really had a, like a dry, dry, yeah, dry Yeah, there was spell. a few years. Yeah, and then mainly because um, I didn't want to continue understudying. I wanted to like, oh, maybe I should put some parameters up for myself mm -hmm. and say, you know what? I'd rather play leads at regional theaters than being an understudy on Broadway. Otherwise, I'll always get caught in that. Um, and, you know. I didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. There is that transition because you have to kind of force casting directors to see you. Yeah. Oh, we just thought you were always going to be the understudy because yep. I've kind of fallen into that trap as well. It's... So for years in New York, I'm basically seen as, oh, a good cover understudy. Mm -hmm. But then regionally, then it's like, okay. You're the star. Right, right. Yeah. Now, now we'll give you some lead roles. So it's... You know, it's, it's such a weird political game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I sort of ended up putting like a, like a line in the sand about it, which now I look back and think, oh, I just... I should have just worked. I should have just said yes to everything because what I really look back and think about my sort of professional career as an actress is that I just loved the people. I just loved being yeah. in the room. It didn't matter in what capacity. In the end, you know, I thought it did when I was younger, but now it just, what really drove me was just to be a creative voice in the room in whatever capacity I could be. Right. And so, you know, I don't know. 
maybe that's a word to the wise, you know, just say yes to things, you know, because ultimately I think that's why we do it is because we want to be around like-minded, creative people and um, making something magical. And working with people who are like at the apex. I mean, when I've been in the ensemble, these people that are doing leads, I look up to them. They're so wonderful in what they do, perfectly cast. Uh And, you know, like for Adam's family, there were a few moments where Jerry Zaks needed me to do something, so you still get those so moments. So cool. It's awesome. Yeah. You want to play up, you know, mm-hmm. and learn from people. Which is interesting whenever whenever you've done regional, mm-hmm. that, that then you're kind of the, the person at the top, and you have all these people that are just coming out of school exactly. or this or that, and now they're looking up to you. Yeah. Did, did you find that whenever you would go regionally? Yes, and I find it here in this job, too, all the time, which is great. I love that part of it as well, but I still am trying to make sure I'm challenging myself, even now to bring people in who are better than me, smarter than me, more interesting than me, so I can continue to make sure I am learning and and being creative. Now, one of the shows that that you took was <laughs> Lone Star Love. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That, 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 that's one of those shows <laughs> that had a lot of buzz. It had, I mean, it, it, it had an opening date. It yep. had a theater. Oh, yeah. It was ready to come to Broadway. I picked out my dressing room. Exactly. D. Hody and I went and checked it out. We picked out our dressing rooms. Oh, my God, you but know. then it kind of came crashing down a bit. <laughs> oh my God. It was just the weirdest experience that I've ever had in my entire life. And I've had weird experiences. Yeah. I assume at the beginning, it was just like any other rehearsal process, oh, development. Yeah. We were just kind of trying oh, things out. Things are changing. Well, it was started off great, you yeah. know, and like you said, it was your classic Broadway, you know, four week rehearsal period. There's only a few signs early on that, you know, people involved in the show might be a little tricky. And for, for people who may not, because it never came yeah. to Broadway, who may not know what this show yeah. is, just give like a, a brief synopsis of what the show was about. Because so it was based on which it, it's Shakespeare? It's based on um, the Merry Wives of Windsor. Merry Wives of Windsor, And right. so it was sort of this Texas sort of contemporary retelling with bluegrass written by the Red Clay Ramblers, who were a North Carolina band. So I think that's ultimately why I, I got involved is because of my North Carolina connections. They liked that. Um, and... The piece is so funny. You know, Randy Skinner was directing it and choreographing it. And um, we had great actors like Robert Cuccioli, you mm-hmm. know, and... Um, who, who played your husband yes, in it, right? Yes, exactly. Right. And Dee Hody, myself. And it's just a fantastic... Dan Sharkey, so many great people in it. And starred Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. So Randy Quaid um, ended up, because they wanted a star to they, attach they to name, it, they needed right. that to bring it to Broadway... It was between him and Bo Bridges, apparently, and I'm sure they were wishing, you know, halfway through the process <laughs> that they like, had cast oh, Bo Bridges. Bo. I know. Oh, Bo. But Randy, um, he just started uh, kind of uh, going off the rails a little bit and really started, I think he was um, operating out of fear that he wasn't going to be any good, and his wife was very involved. And it was just crazy because he had creative control so that's ultimately how it all went wrong is that they gave him final say on anything creative to get him to sign on things had to be cleared yes they had to be cleared through him and um when the show we were at seattle fifth avenue and um things were (laughs) there was a lot of things that need to be fixed and that's the point of going out of town is to fix things right 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 right, because you know script needs to be adjusted or why is that set piece there or all the things yes and so he started I don't know what was happening you know behind closed doors with him and his wife but they were coming up with some crazy ideas about the way they thought the show should go which did not sort of coincide with the way in which the creative team thought the show should go um and so he ended up I think he'd just come off of Brokeback Mountain 
by the way, too. So this oh, okay. this is me projecting, but I think he kept talking about how he thought it should be like a Falstaff, the gay cowboy. Like he wanted to rewrite the show. Like so, he was gonna have, like Falstaff was gonna have like an affair with this other cowboy who was played by Clark Thorell, who was getting like incredible like response. The audience was right? going nuts over him, and I think he wanted to align himself with that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, that's not Shakespeare. <laughs> right. That's not how the story goes. So, you know, I, it was just bizarre. And then, so ultimately, he said, no, you can't make any changes to the show until there are my changes. And so we were caught in this wow. crazy trap. And, um, you know, a lot of things ensued after that. Some shenanigans on their part. Lots of craziness. He was acting out on stage. He was acting out off stage there was harassment that was happening and it was really toxic and it was really really scary but it was also kind of funny at the same time because you're like is this real like there was some crazy stuff going down yeah, what, was there anything particular that that you saw or were involved in um you know when uh you know, your director calls you on the phone and tells you why you're not going to new york and it's because the star has been crank calling the producers and saying dirty things to them on the phone. You know, that's like, is this, am I being punked? Is somebody punking me? What's happening? Um, so that was crazy. So we just pretty much knew that that was going to be that. And wow. But the main, the real main thing was he was abusive to some people on stage and the actors and the producers and we all got together and ultimately he was kicked out of the union. Oh, wow. And we had to go up in front of the board and, you know, at Actors' Equity and... Now, because, because the show was so tied to him as the star, then once he left, did, did the show not have well, any was, legs to stand on? I think it's still caught in litigation, to be quite honest. I think there's still things where there was some kind of like deal put in place that was just hard to penetrate. And there was litigation for years. I'm not sure if it is now, but yeah. I think about it all the time because it was such a great piece. And I think um, it's just a real shame. You know, the everybody put their heart and soul into it. And it was too bad that that ended up happening. But again, it's show business. Yeah. Things like that happen all the time. Maybe not that crazy and right. not that like high profile crazy. But um, I certainly have been involved in a number of other shows that were supposed to come to Broadway and did not. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, now there was one that did end up coming to New York, but you did not being a part of it, and that was the the last, last five, five years. years. Uh, yeah, because you were the years. original mm-hmm. original cast That's in right. Chicago, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, we did it at the North Light Theater in two thousand one, and that was my introduction to. Well, I knew who Jason Robert Brown was, of course, and loved his music. But that's the first time I met him, and when I auditioned for that, and 
um, was lucky enough to get cast playing opposite Norbert Butts. And um, we, when we were in rehearsals in New York, and I got a, a call from my agent saying, Trevor Nunn, who I'd worked with on Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. is in town for like one day. He's going to see five girls to play Nellie Forbush at the National Theater in London, and he wants to see you. I was like, okay, five people. I, those are pretty good odds. Let me just right, let me right. just and it's Trevor Nunn's. Like Trevor you're not going to say no. But it, there was no dates associated with it, and also the other crazy thing about the last five years is that. Um, we did not have New York dates set yet because we were supposed to do it at Lincoln oh, Center. Okay. But um, the show had also its own sort of legal issues around Jason, his ex-wife, because it was written about their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so there there was some uh, stuff there. And so Lincoln Center had ultimately pulled out of doing it, I think, if memory serves. But there were no dates for New York. So I was like, after this run in Chicago, I don't know what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, so it was kind it. of in limbo. You didn't know what was going to happen. It was happen. in limbo. Totally. And so I went to this audition. I spent like 20 minutes with Trevor standing around the piano auditioning. And that was that. I literally got a call that afternoon saying that I'd booked it. <laughs> so were you were the one of the five. I went into that audition and like two hours later they called and said that I got it. And um, That's amazing. And I we hadn't even gone to North Light yet to do last five years. So I, the dates were October through, you know, June. And... Um, I was like, Jason, I've got these dates. I don't know what's happening with the last five years. And he was like, I don't know what's happening either, but we'll, we'll just keep talking. Yeah. Ended up being that a lot of producers came to see last five years when we were in Chicago and loved it and wanted to bring it in right away. And I had already committed to to doing South Pacific. And you, you can sit around all your whole life and be like, what if, what if? Right. Um, but I, I have a lot of clarity about the that it worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, but you know, when you're sitting around for two years, not working, you're like, why does it, when it rains, it pours, you're like two awesome jobs. And then there's two years where like, nobody's calling you to do anything. Exactly. It's crazy. The same thing happened to me. It was like seven months of just, I was auditioning, auditioning, nothing was coming up. And then finally things start coming in and it's like three things all happened in a month. I'm like, where have you been the past seven months? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I could have done all we three of you. We could spread this out over the year. Come on. Yeah. Why aren't directors and theater companies Don't they thinking, know my schedule? Right. Don't they know I'm free? <laughs> it's so true. Oh, my God. But that, that was definitely one of those moments where I was like, shoot, that would have been cool. But, again, I was so connected with Jason and his music and felt like that I had found sort of vocally and sort of aesthetically my place. Mm. And when I knew I couldn't do it, um, I wrote him before I went to London and I was like, listen, I've always wanted to release an album. I never knew what my music was until I met you. And I feel like your music is my music. And can we, can I do an album with your music? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So I was just asking permission to use his music. Then all of a sudden we were doing it together and we collaborated on it. He did the orchestrations. He played on it. You know, we mixed it, mastered it together. I mean, it was such an amazing um, experience for me as a creator, quote unquote. Yeah. And I always hearken back to that experience was what made me realize I could be a director and a producer. It was wow. the first time I'd ever stretched any of those muscles of like telling a story from beginning to end with like a, you know, a group of songs understanding how to like pay people and like do a budget and you know because right, right, right. I did all that yeah, you kind of had to be your yeah, own company manager director producer I did it all. yeah and so that I just loved it so much and it changed everything for me so I didn't get to do last five years in New York and be sort of synonymous with that show but I did get this experience that sort of tipped off the rest of my 
creative life. And so what was it or what was that uh, that piece that you're in New York and you finally decide, okay, I'm going to come back home? So, you know, I mean, this is probably great for me to talk about on your <laughs> podcast because of what it's called. But um, I started feeling at 39 that I was never going to be Kelly O'Hara. You know, I'd been, I'd been doing it for 20 years. Um, I'd gotten real close to so many things and I just felt more and more as I was going to auditions that I was diminishing and I wasn't, um, I was so, I just felt like with each audition I went to and didn't get, I just felt like it took a little bit out of me that I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't comfortable with. I wanted to feel like mm. I was adding to the world, not, you know, the world taking away from me in some way. Did it feel like the, the auditions were like taking yeah. piece by piece of it you did. and you kind of had a little less to give? It did. And, yeah. and I, I was exactly just that. I was giving less. I was less invested. I was like bitter. I was like, who wants me? If I'm going to be bitter, like, why don't I just let this be for people who are, are, are in love with it, want it bad, still in the fight. You know, I don't need to be a part of that anymore if I'm bringing not 100% great positive energy to it. So um, I had been doing Theater Raleigh, but it was then called Hot Summer Nights prior to my move down, but I was doing it from New York, and I was still trying to, like, straddle these two worlds, like still be, you know, a relevant actress in New York, but also do this producing thing. Well, at the time, my daughter really wanted to be in Raleigh. She was not digging being a city kid, and um, my whole family still lives here, so she had cousins and all that kind of right. stuff. And because I felt so rewarded by what I was doing at Theater Raleigh and giving people opportunity and hiring people who had the joy and the love that I felt like I was missing as an actress, I, it just felt like it was a good time for me to have a little bit of a rebirth and let somebody else do that, you know, yeah. and me just be the one that was offering the opportunity. As a matter of fact, that was one of the things I remember saying to a friend was, um, I just want to be picked. Like I kept saying that to myself, I just want to be picked. I just want to be picked. I put so much value in that. But when I realized that at Theater Raleigh, I had the opportunity to pick people mm. and I revalued that, it changed everything for me because then I was able to, you know, create jobs and offer opportunities for people who weren't getting the gigs in New York or who wanted to do more plays but were only cast as a musical actor right. or actors who wanted to try their hand at directing. It was just an opportunity and a safe place to give people, you know, a chance to do something different or yeah. exciting or something that they loved. And um, when I made that sort of mental switch, it's it's just been like, you know, full steam ahead. Haven't looked back, and I don't really want to perform on, in the New York sort of scene anymore. It's not really what drives me anymore. Um, creating new theater and creating, you know, um, you know, maybe even developing new shows and stuff is something I'm interested in doing. Mm -hmm. But performing, I can, I can live without. I still do it, but um, it doesn't drive me the way it used to. Yeah, because you still had a chance to do. Mm -hmm. You've done stuff with Theater Raleigh yeah. and North Carolina Theater That's right. since you've been back. Yeah, and I'm going to do um, Ragtime at Playmakers this fall. Uh, but again, it's then about shows that I'm dying to do or I'm in love with the piece or yeah. want to work with the director. And it's can, I can pick and choose now. What would you say your, you know, your time as an actor, as a performer, what did you most bring from that into now being a, a theater director and producer and, as you said, offering those opportunities? Well, to... I hope that what I bring to it, and you, you tell me <laughs> since you just worked with me, um, is uh, sort of an understanding and a love for creative artists 
And, you know, because I come with the history of being an actor and hopefully we're taking good care of people as a company and hopefully I as a director am able to create a room where people feel like they can be creative and do their best work and not be fear-based or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. That it, we're just, we're in there together and we're, um, we're creating this piece from ground up as a group. So, I mean, I hope that's what I'm bringing. I also think the offering the opportunity is a part that is really rewarding for me. If you could look back on, you know, Lauren, the actress in New York, now that you're a director, what would you tell the, the actor part of yourself? I'd tell her to calm down. <laughs> Stop trying so hard. <laughs> because we do. Yeah. We do push it. We yeah. like, we, we sometimes bring desperation to the room. I mean, there's all these things and expectations that we put on ourselves totally. in that room. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because I worked with Mike Nichols in Spam a lot. And I had the opportunity to have a two-hour rehearsal with him. And I'm traumatized by it, by the way. I'm going to preface the story oh, wow. with I'm traumatized by it. But he was fascinating. And he was so old school as a director. But he pretty much ripped me apart and was like, why are you trying so hard? You know, like, if you were to encapsulate what he said to me, it was like, mm-hmm. you were playing a diva, somebody who expects the world to come to her. Why are you working so hard? You know? And I thought that was a great life lesson, ultimately. Hmm. Not only on stage, because I was so mad at him, so mad at everybody else that night. And I ended up just going on stage and being like, F you. I hate this audience. I hate Mike Nichols. I hate everybody. But it was hilarious. When I did that, <laughs> the audience went nuts. Yeah. Because I didn't give a rat. You right. Know what I mean? So I ended up like trying to put my bitterness aside about how he had hurt my feelings and then just sort of kind of adapt it to my life is and, and take it into like, let's turn the tables around. Like I don't have to be uh, like everybody's favorite person or I don't have to be in this business to please everybody else. You know, you can turn the tables and try and say, what does Lauren want? Like, mm-hmm. How is... What is Lauren going to get out of it? And, you know, anybody as an actor can do that and say, you know what, I'm going into this audition, but it's not like, please hire me, please hire me. It's it's just this is what I have to offer. It's one of your many options. It, if it doesn't work here, it'll work at another audition I have, mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow or the next day. Because we end up being so desperate sometimes, and it yeah. sort of we shoot ourselves in the foot. I also think that we as actors are so outward focused as far as like, what do I need to do? Who do I need to please? Mm -hmm. Who do I need to meet? Networking and, you know, be in this room and that room. And it's so much about the outer Mm -hmm. circle of what we need to be doing and where we need to be that we do forget that we're the ones that we have to bring into the room. We're the gift. We're the talent. We're the, the experience that we bring into the room. And when you don't do that, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. I mean, again, I always quote like Kelly O'Hara and, Sutton Foster, but I was, I kept saying to myself, why are you trying to be a second rate Sutton Foster? Why don't you just try to be a first rate Lauren Kennedy? That's so Because you just Mm. want, you want to deliver what people are accepting. But if you don't bring your most authentic self into the room, then you might have missed that opportunity because you were trying to be somebody else. It's a, it's an awesome lesson to learn. And I think ultimately I learned it a little too late, (laughs) but I'm a better actor now than I ever was when I cared about being an actor, which is a fascinating turn of events. Yeah, no, totally. I'm more accessible. I feel more at home. I definitely feel like I am, I've aged into myself, but in that ironic, now I don't really care. Now that you're ready to do all those wonderful things, you're like, mm, I'm moving on. Yeah. I'm, I've got other things. So that's my advice to people is try to figure that out for yourself as early as possible and just always touch back in with your own authenticity because if you don't, you're, you really are doing yourself a disservice. Would you say that that's what you 
look for now as when you're in the audition room behind the table, uh-huh. you're, you're, you're looking for those people who are themselves. Yeah, and 100%. And you can always tell. You can tell when, when people walk through the door. What would you say is that thing that you see? Okay, that person's being real. Oh, that person has, they're either having a bad day mm. or they're trying to be something they're not. Well, you know, I also feel like what I will try to do as a artistic director and a director in, a, in an audition room is try to help the actors cut through that. Yeah. You know, so even if you do see somebody that you recognize, oh, there's a, there is something there. Now I'm going to spend time working with that and trying to peel away the stuff that they're bringing that is getting in their way, um, which a lot of directors won't do. You know, a lot of people won't take the time to do that. But I feel like because I wish people had done that with me more, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure I'm doing that for other actors. Um, I think that happens all the time. And, uh, you know, just because you walk in a little nervous or maybe trying to play the character as you walk mm-hmm. in doesn't mean that the person across the table can't see your authenticity. Um, that's why I usually try to talk to people and ask questions about them so they can, the real them comes through. Right. And you know what you're working with. Yeah. So, eh, you know. Yeah, because I, I hear it so many times that you want to know a person you're going to work with. Not, not just the actor. You want to know, Who? can I be in rehearsal with this guy yeah, exactly. or this girl? And are they going to be willing to play mm-hmm. and adjust and take direction? And, you know, what are their tools that they bring with them? Good and bad. You know what I mean? Because yeah. some people bring amazing tools, but then people also bring, like, their bag of tricks, which sometimes you have to help them. Right. It's, <laughs> it's like, okay, we're not doing a magic show, so yeah. put those away. <laughs> let's let's be real exactly. and, and let's get to the character. Yeah. Because you did a little bit of that with me when I auditioned for you. Was that, I, I mean, granted, I'd only looked at the music for less than 24 and hours. your audience should know that you were our reader the day before. <laughs> right. And I was obsessed with you that whole day. And I was like, why is he not auditioning? Bring him in. Right. Bring him in. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So you bring me in, you know, after just looking over the music that night. So I'm just like buried in the music i'm just trying to like sing something yeah. that sounds like what maybe you want to hear i forget who the pianist was but you just had me keep going over and then you were like i'm just going to be over here so you would turn around like, we're not, yeah we're not paying right 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 so you're over doing your talking with you know busyness and then i just kind of kept going through the music yeah. little by little uh, but honestly you know it, i knew that you could do it from when you were being the reader the day before all I really wanted to hear was that you could carry a tune. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. And then I was like, can he hit those notes? Great. Check. Done and done. Because yeah. you had the essence and you had also as a person being in the room with you, I knew, I felt like I knew what you would bring. Mm-hmm. And um, you had just have a connection. It's, it's not only personal preference and taste, but it's also just like some kind of connection that you can't really put your finger on. It's like, oh yeah, that person's going to be my jam. Well, so many people uh, have related auditioning to dating. It's, oh, it's, it's totally like, is dating. there chemistry? Is there a connection? Yeah, that's the word, chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has yeah. been a joy oh my to, God, to talk to you. I love talking to you. I don't, well, I know because we've had a chance to be in rehearsal, but now just to kind of like <laughs> sit get to back hear all my stories. and shoot the breeze, right? <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for sharing Thanks those. Thanks for having me. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
I truly love hearing those behind-the-scenes stories, those anecdotes and happenings of things that we, you know, who aren't involved in the production or those of us in the audience don't really know anything about. I mean, her story of Lone Star Love, what, <laughs> wasn't that crazy? I mean, it is, it's truly amazing how some actors act. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of wild. And it was really interesting hearing her stories of, of that show and other shows that she's been a part of, how she got started. It, it really it's really seemed like the stars aligned for her to uh, to find the path that she did in getting to New York and, and getting on Broadway. But there was something that she mentioned that really stuck out to me in this conversation we had. And it dealt with when she started talking about. You know, it had been a few years. She'd done the Broadway. She had done other work regionally. And she was at a place where auditioning had kind of diminished. It kind of meant a little less to her. She wasn't able to bring as much as she wanted to in the room. There, there was a disconnect. And she realized that she needed to find her purpose, her fulfillment, her basically her happiness in something else because that wasn't doing it anymore. And the biggest reason that that stood out for me is that I've gone through that. And I, I don't know if you have as well, whether it's through auditioning or directing or producing or any other part of this business, but I think there's so much creativity. There's so much of ourselves that we put into performing into creating theater that it, it, it's hard to be 100% all the time. I mean, that that's there's no way that's going to happen. You're going to have those highs and you're going to have the lows. But when you start to realize that even in the highs, that this business isn't quite what you thought it was, or it doesn't mean as much as it used to, or the, the wonderful things that you used to do aren't as fulfilling as they, as they once were, then that's something that I have gone through myself. And I've started to wonder, do I need to look elsewhere? Do I need to focus more on directing? Do I need to maybe leave New York, live somewhere else, pursue other options, other avenues when it comes to uh, either performing arts or just theater in general? And auditions are, they're, they're tough. And some are wonderful, and I've had great experiences. But I will admit that in the last six months to a year, it takes a lot to kind of gear up for an audition. It, it's it's not the, oh, great, I, I get to perform this role. I get to do this. I get to show off this song. It's, uh, do I really want to do that? It's, uh, maybe I just want to sleep. Or, oh, I, I have a friend in town. I'm going to do that. I... I seem to be finding a lot more excuses for not going to auditions. And, you know, I mean, yeah, we all have our lazy moments, but I think there's something deeper happening. And maybe it's something similar to what Lauren went through, or maybe it's just I'm in a, you know, in a funk right now. And certainly being on the ship is, is a time away from auditioning, so I don't have to think about it right now. And I have a few months to just focus on performing, and, and that's about it, really. But... I know at some point I'll be back in New York and I will have to face that. I will have to think about that again as far as what do auditions mean to me? 
Are they fulfilling me? Am I able to bring my 100%, my authentic self, as Lauren talked about, into the room each time? And I, I would love to know if that's something that you're going through as well. I, you know, I certainly know I'm not alone in, in feeling this way, but I, I would love to know either how you're processing that, how you're dealing with it yourself. Um, so please reach out to me and let me know kind of what you're what you're thinking and, and how this conversation with Lauren affected you. Maybe it was that particular aspect of auditioning, or maybe it was one of her other stories that she told, but I would love to hear from you and you can reach out to me via email. That's why I'll never make it at gmail.com. Or you can reach me on Twitter at when podcast. Twitter is also a great way to stay up to date with uh, with what's happening and some inspirations, motivations along the way, as well as the guests that will be coming up. So once again, a big thank you goes out to Lauren Kennedy for joining me today on this episode. And thank you for listening and being a part of our conversation. And if you enjoy listening to these stories and, and interviews as much as I love being a part of them, then, then please share this podcast with those who you think might benefit from these conversations. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver Jones, reminding you the reasons for not making it may be countless and frustrating, but the reasons to keep going are even more numerous and rewarding. I'll see you next time on Why I'll Never Make It. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.